Welcome to the River Tree Canal Fulton podcast. It is week two of our Multiply series. We're looking at our vision for the next 13 months. Uh, where is God leading us? What's it mean for us to be the church in this moment and to build for the future? We're really excited about this. If you have uh, not been a part of this series, go to our website and watch the vision video for where we're headed. It'll tell you all you need to know about this series and how it fits to the big picture of what we're planning to do as a church. And uh, we just hope that you enjoy Christy Timmons as she preaches week two of Multiply. So this is a very exciting time here at River Tree Canal Fulton, one where we are looking toward the future and we are preparing for that future and we are trusting the same God that we just sang about, the God of Jacob and Mary, and of course, Abram, who we're going to learn more about today. But first, I'd like to go ahead and dismiss our students. You guys are meeting Sarah in the back today for class. It looks like Adam might be back there too, all the way from West Virginia. Awesome. Have a great time, guys. Um, They're actually going to be studying the same word that we're studying this morning, and it comes from Genesis 15, and it says, (laughs) I'll speak louder, after these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him, this one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, Lord God, how will I know I will possess it? He said to him, bring me a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So he brought all of these to him cut them in half, and laid the pieces opposite each other. But he did not cut the birds in half. The birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abram, and suddenly great terror and darkness descended on him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain. Your offspring will be resident aliens for 400 years in a land that does not belong to them and will be enslaved and oppressed. However, I will judge the nation they serve, and afterward they will go out with many possessions. But you will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, they will return here, for the inequity of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and it was dark, A smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, I give this land to your offspring. Let's pray.
Lord, we are so grateful for your word. It teaches us, it comforts us, it gives us hope, it challenges us, it reminds us that we can trust you. Let your word reach us this morning in a new and fresh way. It's in your son's name that I pray, amen. So the text that I just read might be hard to understand immediately because it is a bit odd, right? Um, But I'm so excited to walk through it with you this morning because it holds deep promises, not only for Abram, but also for us today and for the generations that will come well beyond us. This is where we will intentionally be for the next three weeks, as well as far past that throughout 2023. We're going to think about the plan that God has for the future of River Tree Canal Fulton. We're going on a 13-month journey we're calling Multiply, where we're going to be intentional to prepare for the future that God has planned for us. We know that that means a lot of things for River Tree Canal Fulton, but our main focuses are on creating processes and a culture where we're making disciples who make disciples, where we're preparing for a future where we have the facilities and the staff that are needed for the people that God is sending to us and for the work that he's calling us to. And that future requires us to prepare for multiplication. The number one goal during this time of multiply is that 100% of us would boldly trust God and follow his lead into a life-changing generosity experience. It's no mistake that God brought us all here together at this time and in this place for the future of our church. He placed us all here for the good of our city and well beyond that, and it will take all of us to move forward to that future he's asking us to join him in. Our secondary goal is that we would trust God to provide $350,000 in 2023 as we sow for a fruitful future here at River Tree Canal Fulton. As we look toward the future, we want to be prepared for what God will do. We want to join him here, there, and everywhere, and we want to be good stewards of every opportunity that he places in front of us. Last week, we passed out these guidebooks that explain in detail where we will be over the next 13 months. You can use these to follow through with us during this sermon series. You can take notes in them. There is even um, some questions to work through and wrestle with. This is great for any small groups you have or your families or even individuals. And these guidebooks will be significant in helping us to take an even deeper dive into that life-changing generosity experience we're hoping each and every one of us has. If you don't have your guidebook for last week or you didn't get one last week, you can raise your hand if you'd like one and Wanda will come around and hand those out. Maybe Wanda needs some help. (laughs) Also, if you happen to uh, have questions about Multiply or you're praying about this season and you hear a word from God, Drew and I are always available after service in the back to chat, and we would love to sit down with you for a cup of coffee as well. If you'd like to meet with either one of us or both of us, please email us during the week or indicate it on one of those connect cards I talked about earlier, and we can arrange for a a meeting during the week. 
This journey that we're taking through Multiply will require trust in God, which can be extremely difficult. But we'll learn today that God's promises withstand all trials, and we can trust him to keep his promises. Last week, when Drew began this dive into the season of Multiply, he took us through Genesis 12, 1 through 3, where Abram was sent on a journey to a land he didn't know. He was sent by God to a land where he didn't know, and he gathered his family, his servants, all of his animals, and they had this huge caravan going to where they didn't know. Would you be able to say yes to such a journey? Do you think if you went to your family and said, hey, we're going on a trip, but I'm not sure where we're going to end up, do you think that they would join you on that journey? I think that would be incredibly hard, but what if you had God's promise to follow, his unbreakable, everlasting, binding promise from God himself? That would certainly make it more exciting, wouldn't it? Still, I I think to say yes to that journey would definitely be hard for us, and it certainly was hard for Abram as well, just as it is hard for us to give a sacrificial yes to multiply. As Drew mentioned last week, we may not know every step in the journey that God has us on, just like Abram. And we do know that he's calling us forward to multiply, just like Abram. Although we have trials now, we'll have trials in the future, much like Abram did, they will be no match for God. No matter what trials come our way, We have God's promises. We have Jesus as our foundation in this journey. So setting out for Multiply, many of us may feel similar to how Abram felt during his trials. We may be worried as to whether we can trust God to provide or worried about a future that we can't see. Today, we're going to find out how God met Abram in all of his worry. And he's met us in our worry over the time that we've been together as well. We just came out of a season where we celebrated our 10-year anniversary. And over the past couple months, I've had uh, some time to be reminded of all of the ways that God has been good and how he's provided for us over those years. And one that recently came to mind was actually the journey to buying the rock. We had been meeting in Puffenberger Hall at the high school for years. We loved the relationship that that fostered with the schools, but an opportunity came about to purchase this place. And we weren't sure if buying this building or really any building was God's plan for us or not. We worried a lot, especially about finances. And one afternoon, we prayed for clarity. We were literally crying out to God for him to reassure us that this was his will and that we could carry the weight of this building. That evening, our pastor met with Ohio Extreme, which is the entity that now rents most of the time and space here at The Rock. They talked about what they needed time and space-wise, and they talked about the amount of money they thought that they would be willing to pay to use the facility. That amount that the man told our pastor that night matched exactly 
the amount that the mortgage and utilities would cost here at the Rock. God comforted us that night. He boldly showed us that we could trust him and the future that he has planned for us. Then he continued to provide over the years all kinds of ways, first through an initiative to buy all the chairs you all are sitting on right now. Then he consistently gave us funds that we could use and turn to when we needed to help the schools or our community or a family in need. He always gave us the right amount at the right time, right when we needed it. Most recently, he provided a way to pay off over $300,000 in debt that we had at the Speakeasy and here at The Rock. In fact, many of you were part of that provision. He's good. He continually provides for the future that he has planned for us. But often, as new hurdles come our way, we start to worry again, don't we? When we can't see the full picture of God's plan, we hesitate to join him in it. Although we have many stories of his goodness and faithfulness, his next hard ask leaves us wondering if we can trust him once again. Trusting God, especially during trials, is extremely difficult. But no matter what trials come, they are no match for God's promises. Like now, when we can't clearly see where he's calling us to in the future, we can trust that it's good. Or back when we bought this gym to have church services in, it didn't make sense. It meant taking on debt. It meant moving from a place where we were well-loved and well-cared for. But he called us here to this place for the good of our future. He has used this place for the good of our community, and he even took care of that debt as well. And he's not only provided for us financially, he has grown us in ways that we could never even imagine. And that isn't all for us. It's also for everyone who's around us. It's for generations that will come after us far into the future. Right now, he's calling us to prepare for a future of multiplication, for a future he has clearly planned out, and we need to be ready for that plan. I couldn't wait to teach through Genesis 15 today because of the great impact that it had on me as I studied it, um, and because of what it means for our future, the way that we are to trust God and multiply. So Genesis 15 is known as the Abrahamic Covenant. A covenant is simply an agreement between people. And in this case, it's an agreement between God and Abram. And it starts out with God reassuring Abram. See, Abram had just defeated four kings in battle. He was extremely worried, which he should have been. They could have been around any corner ready to give him the retribution they thought he desired. And God tells Abram in this verse, he says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. God makes Abram a promise. He says he will be safe. He'll be cared for. He shouldn't be afraid. God mentions Abram's reward, and this is actually a reminder of a promise that God had already made to him. We learned that last week. It's about the many descendants that God promised him in the past. However, at this point, 
much time had passed, and Abram still has no children. Abram's response to God in verse 2, he says, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. He's saying, look, I've waited. I haven't seen anything yet. I'm 85. How are you ever going to keep your promise to me at this point? It's a surprising prayer, but it's an honest prayer. It was shared with me recently that a wise man once said that when we pray, our prayers are held within the strong prayers of Jesus. Jesus' intersection speaks louder than our prayers, no matter how bold or feeble, orthodox or heretical, grounded or manic, God hears our prayers. God knew Abram's prayers. He knows what's inside of Abram in this moment, and he knows us as well. This cry of Abram, this prayer that he shouted out, his posture before God is actually an example of how I hope we will pray over the next year of Multiply. Abram had doubts. He questioned God. And we may have doubts, and we may question him as well. These things are very real feelings that Abram had and that we have today. But within Abram's cry, we also see a great desire to believe in God's promises, a desire to trust him. Abram's heart is in it as much as his human humanity would allow him to be. He questioned God. He may have even been a bit angry, disappointed, frustrated, exhausted, but he still has a desire to believe that God would keep his promise. I hope we get there to a place where we want so badly to join God in what he's doing through River Tree Canal Fulton that we trust him more than we doubt him. When Abram cries out and he questions God, God responds. He responds to Abram, making it very clear that Abram is taken care of, that he can trust his promises. He says, look at the sky and count the stars if you can. Your offspring will be just as numerous. And then God tells Abram that the land all around him will be his possession as well. And then once again, Abram questioned God. I love that we can see ourselves in scripture. I think that if we can identify with what we're reading, it helps us go deeper in with God, of course. And I also love it because we get to see the outcome. We get to see what happens. And we can have confidence in the fact that Abram's promises were kept, which means that our promises will be kept as well. As God reiterated his promise to him, Abram didn't cover up what he was thinking. He didn't say what God wanted to hear. He didn't hide the fact that he was still skeptical. Abram says, Lord God, how will I know I'll possess it? Lord God, even though I've seen you work miracles, how will you ever work this out for me? Lord God, a gym? Really? Lord God, we hear you calling us into the future we can't see, but this dollar amount seems really, really big. Are you sure? 
Abram doesn't immediately rejoice and thank God for giving him more than he could ever ask for, for making him part of his plan. He once again questioned God, which sounds a lot like where we are right now. We may not be rejoicing at the sacrifices ahead, though it means joining God in what he has planned for us. Even though it means a fruitful future, we may want to cry out, how do we really know you'll do what you say you'll do? How do we really know we can make $350,000? How do we really know you'll provide for us? So then God did something in this moment to make himself very clear, something Abram would understand fully and something that we're still standing on today. In Genesis 15:9, he said to him, bring me a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. That is a very strange list of animals right there. It seems very strange, but what is cool is that Abram doesn't question it at all. We don't see him over the next three verses trying to figure out why or how or what God is doing. He just goes and he gets the five animals. Verses 10 and 11 say, So he brought all of these to him, cut them in half, and laid the pieces opposite each other. But he did not cut the birds in half. Birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. So clearly, there is something going on here that we need to understand. Not only does Abram just go get the exact animals that God asked him for, but he cuts them in half, and then he lays them specifically and very uniquely on the ground as if he has done this before, or as if he has seen this done before. It's important to understand the culture and the time when this was written in order for us to understand the significance of what we're reading. And this is a very significant act. In ancient Near East, contracts or covenants were made by the sacrificial cutting of animals. They would split carcasses of these specific animals and lay them out on the ground. And then the covenant was secured and a promise when the parties involved in the agreement would walk through the centers of the animals while repeating the terms of the covenant. Each party made promises to each other and received promises from each other. As they walked through together, they stated a mutual oath. They said, I promise to keep these terms, and if I don't, let me be cut in half just like these animals. There's an example of the seriousness of this covenant ritual in Jeremiah 34. It says, because you have broken the terms of our covenant, I will cut you apart just as you cut apart the calf when you walked between its halves to solemnize your vows. Yes, I will cut you apart. Whether you are officials of Judah or Jerusalem, court officials, priests, or common people, for you have broken your oath. I will give you to your enemies, and they will kill you. Your bodies will be food for the vultures and wild animals. Going through this ritual was very serious. These promises mattered. The gravity of these promises was secured in this ritual, which had nothing to do with the animals, but it had everything 
to do with the promises they were making to each other. A broken promise meant death, and that had implications far from the man who was dying. It meant that his children, his parents, his wife, his servants, they would all suffer at his loss. Even his entire tribe would probably suffer at his loss. Promises are what held everything together in ancient Near East. They relied on the strength of these promises to hold together families, tribes, and even kingdoms. So when God told Abram to go get these specific lists of things, Abram knew exactly what he was asking for and why. But then something strange happens. At this point, when Abram would be expecting this ritual, when he would be expecting to go and state his promises to God, he falls asleep instead. And what happens next is so very important. Genesis 15, 17 says, When the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. I feel like this is one of those chapters that we can read through and just let pass by because we have seriously no idea what is happening in it. But if we do that, we miss so much. I'm going to read this again. It's so important to us. When the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. What are these things, and why are they passing through these animals? The text doesn't explain it for us, but fire is often associated with both God's judgment and his holiness. It's clear that Abram understands that God just made a covenant promise as well. So we have the advantage of reading this thousands of years later. We have the whole canonized Bible at our fingertips, and because we have all of this history with a little thinking and maybe a little research, we know that the smoking pot reminds us of the many times smoke or cloud represented the presence of God. Remember the cloud that traveled with Israel while they were out in the wilderness? or the smoke at Mount Sinai. And the flaming torch reminds us of God represented as fire. Again, the pillar of fire that was with Israel in the wilderness at night. The fire that represented God with Moses in the bush. The fire that came down from heaven to consume sacrifices that pleased God. It's very clear that God himself passed through these animals. God, represented by smoke and flame, went through these animals alone. He went without Abram. This was a unilateral covenant. Abram never signed the contract. He just passively watched as God walked through for both of them. Remember, this ritual is well known by Abram. It is serious. It is a tradition with deep meaning and deep consequences. This covenant was certain, binding. And guys, this is more trusted than anything that we have today. 
the fact that God signed this ritual for both of them meant that this covenant was based on who God is and what God would do and not based on who Abram is or what Abram would do. This covenant cannot fail because God cannot fail. God made a promise that only he could keep. By entering into this contract, there is a sense in which God is saying, if I don't keep my word, let me be put into pieces. Let me be cut into. He put his deity on the line to confirm his oath with Abram. And this promise extended far beyond Abram's lifetime. That's why God's 4,000-year-old covenant with Abram means so much to us now. The promises apply not just to Abram's literal descendants, but because, as we learned last week, that those descendants included Jesus, the promises apply to us too. Abram's promise was Jesus. All the peoples of earth would be blessed through Abram because of Jesus and what he would do, not only for his descendants, but for us. And God's promise is still ours today. His full promise hasn't been fulfilled yet. Jesus will return one day, and heaven will come to earth, the kingdom right here to where we're standing. And this is why multiply matters, why being disciples who are making disciples matters, why being prepared for the future that he has planned matters. And God's promises go far beyond ourselves as well, far beyond anywhere we go. They go far out into the future. We actually skipped a few verses. We're going to go back to 13 through 16. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain. Your offspring will be resident aliens for 400 years in a land that does not belong to them and will be enslaved and oppressed. However, I will judge the nation they serve, and afterward they will go out with many possessions, but you will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation they will return here, for the inequity of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Abram would not live to see the fruit of God's promise. The land, the descendants, all of that would be generations in the future. He never knew Jesus or what Jesus did for all of his offspring. And the trials ahead for Abram's descendants were absolutely terrifying. But still, Abram was faithful. He trusted God's promise beyond the trials he knew were coming. And we can trust, too. We get the advantage of knowing much more about Abram's story. We know that 2,000 years later, God sent his son to give us eternal life. Jesus is God's promise that we can cling to. He died so that we can live. Jesus' faithfulness made a way so that we can join him in multiplying his kingdom until the day he returns. And we have a foundation that is greater than anything Abram had because Jesus gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Galatians 3, the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. 
Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. God's promise is one that cannot fail, cannot be broken, will withstand all trials. God sent his one and only son. Jesus was the first fruit of the amazing harvest that's ahead. The amazing harvest that he's asking us to join him in gathering. Our future is built on Jesus. His faithfulness alone should give us more confidence to follow him in faith, to trust him and multiply now and know that that multiplication goes out far beyond what we will see within our own lifetime. I'd love to share with you what this multiply effort means to our friends, the Obies. Please direct your attention to the screens. I'm Elise Sobey, and this is my husband, Jamie. Uh, we've been coming to River Tree Canal Fulton for about a um, little under a year, so I guess it was last November. I think the nice thing about River Tree Canal Fulton is that um, the mission is to uh, be part of the community and serve the community, and so I feel it's a blessing for us to be able to go to church in our hometown and um, have had family come with us, my parents come, and that's been a blessing. Uh, to us and to my children. We give to River Tree um, as part of our, our tithe to Jesus. I mean, the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus is the staple of generosity. He gave everything for us. And just a portion of our um, life back to him, it's all his anyways. And it's a way to worship him. And it's a way to keep our focus on um, what really matters and what our treasure is. You know, God's economy is is far greater than our own understanding of of you know finances. And if we give to God, He's going to do far greater than what we can do on our own. I think generosity is just so critical to our faith and who we are. Um, accepting generosity is hard to do sometimes. Accepting generosity from others, but also. Um, Putting a mission ahead of your own, putting God's will ahead of your own. It's about making heaven full. And we give to River Tree to see heaven full of our 44614, this part of the earth. Uh, I can't wait to get to heaven and look around me and see all of our community in heaven. And it's because we're all giving together and we're all serving together and we're loving our community, linking arms together for our community. That community aspect of it and, and having a, a further reach in the being able to see more people engaged with River Tree. There's so much brokenness that we get the opportunity to speak truth into. And with the world, you know, lots of noise around the world today, it's our job to stand up and speak truth and love uh, to our community. And that's part, of, that's part of being generous is sharing the truth. There is no greater return than helping someone find Jesus.
however you can do that, it's worth it. Just trust God. Trust Him to answer what is a stretch and trust Him to um, lead you to peace in your decision. Take a step in faith and not only will God bless what you're doing, but He will bless you in I'm so grateful for God's faithfulness and for Jamie and Elisa's faithfulness in following him. I love that they are looking outside of themselves into a future where God is planning for us to meet him in and join him in, a future where his kingdom will be multiplied through the, the making of disciples. I'm grateful for their bold trust where God is calling us and for their commitment to multiply, but most of all, I am grateful for their example in joining Jesus and what he's doing and making him known and trusting him far beyond themselves. I'm going to call Drew back up at this time. We're going to start to go towards the end here. As I think through Multiply, I realize that the journey we're embarking on may be one that you're unsure of, one where you're having a hard time trusting God, one where you're questioning God. You may be asking questions like Abram did, worried about your future or worried about our future. You may be thinking, I'll just sit this one out. It's too hard. You may be thinking, they don't need me. Look at all these other people who could do more or be more or pray more or give more than me. If that's you, I promise you're not alone. These are common feelings to have. But as we learned from Abram's story today, we can trust his promises and the future that he has planned. Even when we can't see the full picture, we can trust him. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen ascends to God for his glory. His promises are good for us and generations to come. And you're here for this moment on purpose to multiply. When it says in that verse, our amen ascends to God for his glory, the word amen actually means yes. Our yes ascends to God for his glory. A yes to multiply might be hard. It's going to require our intentional thinking through of how to meet him where he's calling us. It will take sacrifice. It will take us trusting him even though we can't see the whole future. But we have seen today that we can trust him and his promises. And our yes ascends for his glory. So if you're ready to take the easy out through this season of multiply, I want to ask you to think that through. I want to challenge you because we need you to be in this with us. It will take all of our yeses. The future God has planned for River Tree Canal Fulton requires you and your gifts, and your resources, and your generosity. 
as we come to a moment of reflection today, I want you to take some time to answer a couple of questions. The first is, can I trust God? Can I trust that he will provide for me? Can I trust that he will sustain me? That he will be with us as we step into the future and his plans? And the second is, will you go with us? Will you be in prayer over the next three weeks asking where he's calling you specifically to be generous with your time, your resources, and your finances? Let's take a few minutes now to pray.